Hey, architecture firm owners and emerging leaders, get ready for unparalleled insight into the development of a world-class architecture firm and a worldwide organization driving the digital transformation of the design and construction industry with Build Smart, the podcast that's changing how our profession operates. We share the incredible stories behind innovation in the building industry with my friend and co-host, Patrick McLaney, FAIA, former CEO of the international architecture firm, HOK. You know, Yamasaki's office or firm lasted during his lifetime. And when he passed away, I think that was the end of the Yamasaki office. Helmut did not want that. He wanted a firm that would live out and grow beyond the founders. In season one, discover the untold stories behind HOK's meteoric rise, from 150 employees in St. Louis to a powerhouse with over 1,900 staff members and 27 offices worldwide. You know, they weren't as polite as the Kojima people. That was just boom. And anytime you have a creditor, whether it's Kojima or the bank, that wants their money, unless you can raise money someplace else, you are out of business. Bankrupt. Bankrupt. And hold on tight for season two, where Patrick takes us on a new adventure as chairman of Building Smart International, shaping the future of digital transformation in the design, construction, and operation of built assets. Ian Howell, Ken Harold, and I, Ken was my technical representative from HOK. The three of us took a tour of Europe of five cities in five days. Very busy time. Simply follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Build Smart Now and uncover lessons that will transform you and your architecture firm. We know that running a small firm is tough and ending the year with a profit may be even tougher. That's why we created Profit for Small Firm Architects. It's a three-module digital course and it's available to you for free right now by visiting entrearchitect.com slash free course. Entree Architect Podcast, episode 131. Welcome back to the Entree Architect Podcast. My name is Mark Arlapage, and this is the podcast dedicated to a successful life as a small firm architect. Whether you have plans to someday start your own firm whether you're in the process of launching a startup or you might be an experienced small firm architect just trying to make a difference, this podcast is for you. My goal is to inspire you to build a better business so that you may pursue your purpose with passion and live the life of your dreams. Most of us, when we launched our firms, we, we started solo working by ourselves from small private studios and wearing every hat required to run a successful architecture firm. And we worked that way for as long as we possibly could. But we finally reached the point when we knew it was time to get some help. But how? Where do I look? What if I hire the wrong person? How am I going to pay this person week after week after week? That first hire is so critical. It's a pivotal point in every successful architecture firm. This week at Entree Architect Podcast, residential architect Marika McKeel is joining me here on the Entree Architect Podcast, and we talk about how to overcome the fear of hiring that first employee. 
This episode of the Entree Architect podcast is sponsored by FreshBooks, the easiest way to send invoices, manage expenses, and track your time. Learn more at freshbooks.com architect. Marika McKeel, welcome to the Entree Architect podcast. Thank you, Mark. I'm happy to be here. <laughs> Go back, Marika. Tell me, tell me where you learned about architecture and why you ended up in architecture. Um, so I guess I started with saying I didn't have the perfect origin story. I didn't know I was going to be an architect at age four. Um, I, uh, my mom and I sat down before I went to college because you had to pick a major and um, decided, okay, well, I'll try this architecture thing. Um, I was, I liked to draw and I liked math and I figured I'd probably be an engineer. I had always wanted to build, well, I had wanted to build bridges probably in my teenage years. Um, and my whole family is engineers, so that was easy. But I'd try architecture. And so I figured if I um, applied and got in, then that was great. So I applied and got in, okay? So there, I was an architect. And where'd you go? I went to NC State. I was actually recruited there. Um, so I also, that was another one. I told the coach, sure, I'll go there if I get into the school because they had a good architecture program. Recruited for what? Recruited for diving. For diving. So you were a diver. I was. Okay. Um, that was kind of a no-no in the athletic department to be, in, well, I guess maybe it was a no-no in the design school to be an athlete. But with diving, my coach was cool, so we worked it out. So it was too many commitments. Was that the problem? It's too too much of a commitment for both? Yes. It was mainly the studios. They were, you know, three hours in yeah. the afternoons, and that was during practice time, so my coach would stay late. Um, so. And what did you do after you graduated NC State? Well, I went to work in back in Tampa. I moved back to Tampa and uh, went to work for an architect. And um, that was, I guess, we started talking about how I got into residential architecture, and that was where I was working for basically commercial. They did a bunch of stuff, um, but we did a multifamily project. and. That was the project where I realized that as you know, doing this multifamily, I was working with the individual, um, each individual unit owner and designing their space and I wanted them to have everything they wanted. But you know, that's not, well, that's, a long, that's another long story. I was a yeah. developer on that one too. Um, but working with the individuals, that's where I realized that I wanted, you know, I really liked that residential part. And, and so, so you, you liked the residential, so you decided that's where you wanted to yeah, that's what I was. Go ahead. That's what I was going to say before. Is the other interesting part is as soon as I got out of school, I decided there's no way I could do residential because I didn't have the patience for it. Um, but then realizing I really enjoyed working with all of those people, I was like, huh, that's interesting. Um, but then, so after that, that was about five years. Um, I went back and got my master's in New York at Parsons. Okay. And so that's the way you found your way to New York because that's yes. where you are now. That's where I am now, and probably about halfway through um, my getting my master's, it was three years, so about halfway through I decided I wasn't, I wanted to live in New York. I love New York and I wanted to stay. Um, so after I graduated, I still, not that I didn't know what I was going to do, I was going to do architecture, but I didn't have a job. Um, so that's when um, I saw a job posting for Santiago Calatrava. That was another time where I was like, okay, great, well, I'll try that, that would be amazing. Um, and if I get the job, then great. So I applied and got the job and so worked for Calatrava. This was my, you know, build bridges, do big things. Right. 
is like the perfect job for you. Perfect job. Um, so I was hired to work on the PATH station, um, and I started working on the Chicago Spire for a while, like when I first started there. And that was really fun because that was residential. And it wasn't, um, I think each apartment was actually unique, but just because the building spired up, um, but not necessarily working with the homeowner part, um, but obviously it's a huge project. So that was cool, but then shifted over and went back to working on the PATH station, uh, which I really enjoyed. That was great. And that's in, in New York City. That's, that's the PATH station down at, at uh, Ground Zero. Yes, and it opened this year, and that was really, really cool because, you know, you're working on this, and I remember um, my direct boss at the time, not Calatrava, but our, my direct boss, just saying that, you know, he, he, as much work as we put in, as hard as it was, as much, you know, as difficult as it was to work there, it was so rewarding because when, you know, this project opens and it takes, you know, 14 years from start to finish for a project or something like that, um, it's, it's amazing, you know, walking through that space. Not only is it super amazing because it's a Calatrava building, but we worked on, you yeah. know, every aspect of it. So it was really, it's really cool. That must have been very rewarding to, to walk through that space and know that you had some part in it and, and uh, sort of imagined what it would be like walking through that space years and years ago and then actually walking through it. Yeah, yeah. And some of it wasn't, you know, wasn't surprising. I guess, of course, because we were envisioning it, we were doing it, but um, at the same time, it's still, it's, yeah, it's just amazing. And I haven't been, I went when it was partially open, um, and I haven't been since it's been fully open. So that's yeah. going to be cool. I haven't been there yet either. I'm, I'm only an hour away from it, so I got to get down there and see it. I, yeah. You know, truthfully, here's a, uh, an, an, an admission here. I haven't been to Ground Zero since 9-11. Just haven't, I used to go every year. I used to go and hang out down at Battery Park, and I just never wanted to go back. And uh, I think that might be what pulled me back down there. Yeah, and it's, I mean, it's, um, it took me a while to go, and I wasn't here um, for 9-11, but my husband worked right next door. <clears throat> so he's, um, he's told me lots of stories, and it just, you know, it's, I mean, it's, it's heartbreaking. Even, but the memorial is amazing. Yeah. Um, the museum is, is difficult but amazing as well um but it's beautiful and then the you know all the buildings down there too it's it's really great yeah yeah i think i think uh it's finished enough that uh i could go down there and, and see it again definitely different place than it was mm -hmm. yeah so calatrava and so you didn't really do i mean the spire you did some residential work but but you're a residential architect so how did how did you go from Calatrava spires and path stations to residential? Um, yep, great question. Um, so I would say um, probably when I was working at Calatrava it was 2006 to 2010. And um, that obviously the downturn was happening. So the, the place fluctuated. And at the end, well, at my end working there, um, I think there was one of three people in the U.S. office. They're much bigger now again, but at that point, um, we you know we were doing anything that we needed to do there. So uh, Santiago and his wife Tina's house was one of the projects. So I worked on that with them, and um, that was not what I had wanted to do at Calatrava's office, but something really interesting. Like you know, I really realized that single-family residential was something that I truly enjoyed. 
So with that, uh, it was time to leave the office, but um, I kind of decided, well, I guess again, I'll try it. I'll go out on my own. I'll do this. I have a great idea um, and I'll start my own office and we'll see how that goes. So there we go. All right. And so, so you decided, okay, I'm going to, I love this residential thing and I'm going to start my own firm. So that's a big decision, but it sounds like that's the way you make th those big decisions. <laughs> you sort of, you, you have this opportunity, you recognize the opportunity, you see, see that there's an opportunity there and you jump. I think that's giving me a lot of credit. Um, that's a good way to look at it. I think it's more like, um, hey, why not? More naive than, you know, planned out and we'll just try it and see if it works out. Um, I think it's not like everything I try works out perfectly, yeah. but the things that don't, I just figure out how to make it work differently some other way. So, sure. Um, actually, I think when I started out, I decided I was going to, I knew I was going to start my own firm and I did want to do residential, but I hadn't realized at that point that I was going to focus only yeah. on residential. So, um, also, I mean, part of the reason that I started my own firm was because I decided, because of Santiago's house, uh, that was kind of, I mean, it was their main, I don't know if it was their main home, their main home is in New York City, uh, in the U.S., so that was their weekend home. And so I also realized that people really want to have weekend homes from the city because the city's insane, um, and not everybody wants to go to the Hamptons, so people would start going north. So I realized, okay, I think it's, I think people want houses a couple hours outside of the city here's my chance yeah and so and so you recognized that before you started the firm or you started the firm and then saw that recognition no I recognized that when I was working with Santiago yeah. and his house because you know that was they would do that every weekend and even just going up um, even during the week you know getting out of the city and looking at the cute little towns I forget what town it was up there but there are around a couple of them in every town in Connecticut or upstate New York is yeah. Um, adorable and old and beautiful and there's trees you know we don't have those here in the city yeah <laughs> so just leaving it's like you know you you the pace changes and the intensity is just gone so you know one day out of the city and you're refreshed right. it's like so this is why people leave the city and so there's a market for high-end residential second homes north of New York City and probably elsewhere in other major metropolitan areas. There are areas like this where people who live in the city have a getaway house within an hour or two of, of the city. And, uh, and so that's, that was your, your plan. Whether it was a written plan or not, that was sort, you, know, you sort of saw that opportunity and said, okay, I could, I could start my own firm and I could focus on that. Exactly. That would be my start. So yeah. that was a reason. That was a reason to jump. And um, yeah, so okay, why not? Um, so also, probably at that time, like I said, it was probably just time for change. Yeah. So while I decided I would start my own firm and I was thinking, you know, okay, what can I do? I did a few small projects. I had a few, not necessarily lined up. I had nothing lined up. I just left. Um, and I, of course, I, I told my mom I was leaving and she it was like, no, why? Why are you doing this now? It's like, well, it's just time. I'm going to just do it. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So I... I probably started my firm a little too early. I needed some time off, um, and that was where you know every architect has thought, "When am I? You know, what am I going to do? Am I really going to continue architecture? I need to change my life. Do I want to become a chef?" So that was my six months of maybe I should um, totally you know become a chef, do something totally different, and then realized 
no, because then that would be my work and now it's my play. So anyway, decided not to be a chef, went into architecture, made this whole starting your own firm thing happen. So, mainly. so those ideas, those thoughts and chef idea and all that, that, that happened after you left or while you were considering leaving? No, that happened after I left. It so was more of, I needed a break. Okay. So, then, so you jumped, you said, okay, I'm going to start my own firm and you jumped and then you jumped out of the water real quick because it was too cold. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you said, okay, well, let me, let me take, I have an opportunity here to take some time off and, and think. And so, and what year was that? What year did you did It was you 2010. It was 2010. January of 2010. And the problem was I knew I had a year because I had, I, I wasn't going to just, you know, jump ship and not have anything. So I kind of had planned. I could, I could live for a year and not have to move and not have to do anything. So, you know, architects, we need a deadline. So, you know, a year, that's a really long time. So I can kind of do whatever I want. Well, it takes a little longer than that to actually start a firm. Right. But, you know, it's like, oh, okay, well, maybe in October I can really get serious about this whole year thing. Um, so, yeah. So, uh, yeah. so how much time did you actually take off before you actually jumped into the firm and, and started? Um, September 15th, 2010, I LLC'd my firm, or PLLC'd it. So that was my, okay, I'm really going to do this. So I guess it was about 10 months. 10 months. Nine, okay. nine months. Yep. Okay. Wow. That's, so that's, that's a great origin story, America. <laughs> just, just so you know. <laughs> Isn't the origin supposed to be like before you're 18, not before no, you're... No, the origin story is how do, you, how do you get to where you are today? That's the question. It is, we want to know your journey from where you started, wherever you discovered architecture, and the story to where you find yourself today. And we are now finding yourself where you are today. So tell us about um, Marika McKeel Architect and, and what you do and you know what, where you are today. What, what do you do today? Um, well, we are solely residential architecture. Um, I'd love to be solely outside of the city, but we do have some projects in the city. Um, but the goal is, I would say, I mean, the goal is building homes, but the focus is really in the Hudson Valley, which I call upstate, but about two hours north of the city. Um, and we are now four people, and I had been one until last September. Um, so that's what we do, build houses, build homes. And, we build and, homes, not houses. Right. You're, so you're based in New York City, and and the majority of your work and your plan is to have all of your work uh, outside of the city, right? That's that's what you just said, and um, and you also you have a very interesting way of doing the work up in uh, the Hudson Valley. You're not most of your projects are not client based services, right? Um, most of all of my built projects, well totally finished is our mine, but client-based services is now the majority of our work. Okay. So the majority is client-based services, but you're doing, you're doing developer, architect yes. as developer essentially. Yes. Uh, the houses that are built in upstate right now are houses that you designed and built and mm -hmm. are in the process of selling or have sold. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So that's a great story in and of itself. Um, so, but I want to talk about, you said since last September, is less than a year you went from solo to four employees well three employees three four employees total. four total so you have three employees yes that's a huge jump it is um and that's what i want to talk about because this month at entree architect we're talking about management and i'll have you come back if you're willing to 
and talk about the developer stuff. And I know everybody's starting to, to, to probably get angry at me because every time I have somebody on who does some architect as developer work, I say, well, I'm going to have you come back. And I do. I have, I'm ha I have other, other people lined up for that, and I'd love to have America come back and talk about that as well. But I want to know how she went from zero employees to three employees in less than a year. So let's talk about that. Talk about um, that first one. And because that, that, that first employee is something that we all struggle with. I struggled with it. Anybody who starts their firm um, without, it, without a staff and needs to find that first person, um, that is a huge uh, obstacle to get past. It's, it's scary. It's fearful. It's a, it's a risk. So how did you get from, first of all, how did you know that it was time? Because how long, how long were you in business before that first one came? Let's start there. Um, I mean, almost four years or maybe four years. So you were totally solo for four years. And what made you say, okay, this is, the, I have to get an employee? Um, well, I realized that I was, I was, you know, I was trying to be um, the client happy business, just like you say, you know, keep my clients happy and they're, they're my priority. Um, and when I am failing that, because I, you know, if I had worked 24 hours a day, I would not have been able to keep up with the deadlines that they needed for their projects to, you know, just a normal schedule, not even fast paced. Uh, that was when I realized that I was doing my clients a disservice by not hiring someone. So I needed help. Um, and um, I guess, yeah, so that's how I knew I needed someone. And then of course, just like you said, that it was the scariest thing. And this was, I don't know how many meetings with you, you know, <laughs> discussing how to do this. Is this really going to work? I mean, you know, having your own firm is one thing, but hiring someone means, wow, this is really a firm. You're really, this is really serious. You're really doing this. This is the, this is the point where, you know, it's like, sure, I can do it. I, you know, I can jump in and make it work or whatever. But now if you hire someone, it means, huh, I really got to make this work. Yeah, this is no, really for no real. No turning back. Right, like yep. this is for real. Am I really ready for this? Um, but you know, luckily, I guess things were busy for one person, so therefore it was like, okay, we just got to do it. Um, I started with a contract employee. I started with someone that was not full time, so he was sixty percent time, mm -hmm. um, and that was very helpful. So but was that a, a part time employee or was that an independent contractor? Independent contractor. Okay, and that was kind of my. I'll test the waters, I won't really commit, I will, and I knew him. So all of the stresses of not, you know, I took a little bit of that away with him. But what I realized quickly was uh, he also was trying to start his own thing, he was doing other things, he was not 100% invested and or committed, and he was very upfront about that. So right. no, no fault of his, but yeah. I realized quickly that, you know, I was looking for someone that was completely invested and someone that was going to be, you know, not necessarily a partner with me, but care. And, um, I guess I would say follow through, but, you know, just really be invested in, in our firm or in, in us. Right. So realized, okay, it's, um, time to actually legitimately hire a full-time employee because that's, that was what was important to me was the buy-in and someone, you know, someone to be completely committed and, and fully invested in You wanted somebody us. part of the team, not just, not just somebody who was part-time working for you and kind of, you know, doing the work that you need them to do. You wanted more than that. You wanted that total commitment and buy-in and uh, you wanted to build a team. 
Exactly. And I think that's probably, you know, now that you say it, that's probably the, um, what is, has always been most important to me, like that team thing that's, I've always been part of a team. So in that way, that's kind of what I know. That's the way I approach things. Um, and as, uh, independent as I think I am, it's, it's, the team is the way I, the way we get better. And it's not just, you know, our team and the fact that I picked someone perfect, but, um, yeah, I think it's just the, the idea of a team. That's how I know how to work anyway. Yeah. I mean, could you imagine a, a sports team with all independent contractors? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> they work for other teams as well, but sometimes they come and they hang out with you and they do their best they can while they're with you, but then they, it just wouldn't work. Yeah, exactly. And I was, I was pausing because I was a diver and therefore I was less teamy yeah. than us. But anyway, that's a side note. That doesn't matter. We're yeah. still a team. Yeah. And so, so that's something you want. And I don't think everybody needs that, but that's something you, you wanted. Do you see that first independent contractor as a mistake, or do you think it was a stepping stone to get to where you needed to be? It was a stepping stone. Um, if I had to give advice to someone, I don't think that you need that stepping stone. Um, I, I would say I don't know if I needed it either, but I kind of had to go through that. Um, it was something that I needed to do, um, but if I had known now what I, if I knew then what I know now, I wouldn't have needed to do that. Basically, I needed someone so quickly that I probably would have made a bad decision in hiring. You know, I, I think hiring the first person took a lot of time, and that was very important. So, you know, at that point, I kind of just needed someone to work, um, and wasn't ready. I wasn't ready to fully hire someone. Um, so it was a, it was a stepping stone, and it was a um, I won't say it's a learn it was a learning curve. It was uh, it was a it was a good transition. Yeah, yeah. So it it was a it was a, it it led you to where you are today. It was helpful for you at the time, not necessarily the way you would recommend mm-hmm. somebody who's listening uh, do it. And maybe they do it, maybe they don't do it. It's mm-hmm. just not a necessary step. Let's take a quick break here to say thank you to FreshBooks for their support as a platform sponsor of Entree Architect. Because as a platform sponsor, FreshBooks has provided funding and support for our overall mission here at Entree Architect. They recognize the need for small firms like us to build better businesses in order to be better architects. FreshBooks is the easy-to-use accounting software designed to help us small firm owners get organized, save time, and get paid faster. It takes care of invoicing, expense tracking, estimating, reporting, and it all happens out on the cloud so you have access to your information from anywhere that you have access to the internet. And I use FreshBooks for my own small firm, Fivecat Studio, and my favorite feature of the FreshBooks software is sending my invoices by email and allowing my clients to pay by credit card. When FreshBooks says that you'll get paid faster, they're not kidding. With the convenience of clicking a button and paying by credit card, many of my clients pay now as soon as they receive their invoice. And for those clients who don't pay right away, FreshBooks automatically sends them a reminder of the balance due at an interval that I set. So once I send an invoice, I can go back to being an architect and I don't need to chase down any of my clients. And Tim Lee of FreshBooks will show you how easy it is to send invoices by email on our exclusive video series, Tim and I produced exclusively 
for the Entree Architect community. Check out this free video series at entrearchitect.com slash freshbooksvideo. There's no catch. There's no email. It's completely free. Just go to entrearchitect.com slash freshbooksvideo and you will get the videos right away. There's three of them. Shows you everything you need to know about getting started. And then go to freshbooks.com slash architect, freshbooks.com slash architect and sign up for your free 30-day trial and give it a try. It's free. I suggest you just send one invoice and see what happens. That's how I got started. Just send one invoice to one client and see how it works. And when I did that and I got paid much faster than usual, I signed up for the rest of it and I set up my whole my whole account in FreshBooks. FreshBooks.com slash architect for your free 30-day trial. And be sure to enter Entree Architect into how did you hear about us section. So the first person you you did hire full time, what role and responsibility does that have? That person is that a high level person or a low level person? Or you're supposed to hire a high level person first, um, so that you don't have to teach as much. Um, I actually, well, like the the contract worker was somewhat high level, not necessarily residential, but somewhat high level. So I guess I kind of had that, knowing at the same time that was not going to be long term. Um, hired someone straight out of undergrad and um, that, that was that was what I needed to do at the time um, now knowing now and maybe it's just that she's actually perfect but what she is doing is her energy and her excitement about what she's doing like that right there I think might actually be more important than high level right. um, so is it, and, it was an entry level role yeah entry level role so and in, intern level mm-hmm. yeah okay. straight out of um four year so yeah and uh, and what was most important to you was that she she was that team member that, that somebody who wanted to come in all in wanted to to dedicate her time and her energy to america keel architect and make it into something special and amazing absolutely um and she is all of those things and i I, you know, I think I'm just really lucky, but it did take, I mean, I had a lot of interviews and it took, I don't know if it was six months. Um, Talk about that process a little bit, a little, some detail on that. What, what was the process you went through to hire that first person? Um, well, I, I put out a job ad um, on Arconnect because, I mean, in New York City, I think we have an advantage with Arconnect. There's a lot of people on it. Um, what I realized was I put that out in May and therefore every single person that was graduating looking for a job, uh, you know, put their resume out. And I realized quickly that, you know, the ones that actually I had someone put multiple email addresses in the two field, you know, multiple architects, right. they're just sending yeah. stuff. So yeah. that was not what I was looking for. Yep. You filter those out very quickly. Yes. What, that else, was did, what else did you filter out? That's a very good tip for, for, for the students looking for work. Yeah. Really easy. Dear sir. Yep. That yeah. one, yeah, out of there. Delete, right? There's one of us here, and there's one person on yeah. a website, and there's nothing sir about me. So, yeah. I, uh, could, that- I could tell you the, the one thing that you need to do, who's listening here, who's looking for a job, is find out who you need to direct the email to and direct that email to that person. Don't ever write your sir or, or don't write anything and just post it to, to, to find out who you need to talk to and send the email directly to them. Definitely. I mean, and you know, dear America or 
dear Ms. McKeel, depending on how you, you know, formal you want it to be. Great. Um, And I mean, the other thing was clearly there's a form letter or there's the three people that I interviewed that I was very interested in and it was worth a conversation, uh, wrote a, you know, a cover letter that they knew my work. They were very interested in working for me and they cared about residential architecture. So, you know, with that part, everybody just wants a job, but I wanted residential is really important. And, you know, not that you have to know about me, but you got to know about what we do or anything about. So they did some research. So they knew who you were. They knew what type of work you did. They knew what was important to you Mm -hmm. because, you know, for you and there's there's a few architects out there, but for you, you're putting it all out there on your newsletter and your on your website. It's not hard to find out what's important to you as an architect. Um, and it's not hard to find out your name, and put your <laughs> right. name yeah. on the yeah. email that they're sending. And so the people that you ultimately spoke to in their interviews were the ones who did the work, who, who did the research to find out who you were, addressed a, a custom letter to you, um, talking about the things that they knew that you were looking for and said, I'm the person you're looking for. And I would say then in the interview, just like you said, you know, I've written a blog for years. So if in the interview I would casually mention blog and I'd glaze over it as if I didn't want to, you know, dwell on it. But if they had this look like, what? You write a blog? It's like, okay, well, you didn't do your research either. So that was another thing on, you know, that part's easy. See if you have a blog. You know, yes. I mean, it it should be that you are looking for a firm that you really want to work for. And don't just work anywhere. It, that's not what you want to do. Find someone that you really want to work for. That makes all the difference. That's where, you know, Marissa is the first one I hired. And it was very clear she knew she wanted to work here. And that's part of the reason, that's number one reason I hired her. And it was like, as soon as I had that interview, and she can probably <laughs> hear me, but as soon as I had that interview, it was like, okay, I need to jump on this because yeah. the good ones go fast. Yeah, that's true. That's true, and that's good advice for the architects who are listening right now, is that when you find the right person, get them. Yes. But but you said you went through a, a, a very long process to, to find that. So you 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 interview you uh, advertised on Arconnect, and then you got a whole bunch of emails and filtered out the ones you didn't want, and you ultimately shortlisted three. Is that what you said? No. Three, shortlisted uh, more than that. Uh, three were like the final. Yeah, well, I think it was more like uh, over time three because, you know, I may have had a few other interviews um, and a lot of them were on Skype, but, um, and some coffees, you know, and I would meet someone and you get a good sense and it's difficult, you know, it's difficult to meet someone and they're right. opening up to you and you're thinking, there's no way that I can hire this person or not even hire, there's no place, there's no way I can work with this person. So, you know, right. that's important. And how, I, how does, how does that happen? Is that a gut feeling just from a conversation? sort of the vibe that you get yes um yes very much so whether some people are just looking for a job and they come off you know like they're really interested but then you realize they hate their job i mean one question for anyone who's changing jobs and this isn't the second one but um you know why are you leaving your firm and you know some people just dump and they they have all this negativity and it's it's like okay well i'm you know really sorry to hear that and that's just you know that's not going to work here um so it, it, it depends on how, you know, and how the conversation flows and how the person is and what they are really interested in. Um, and obviously, you know, what's important, you know, if someone, positive attitude is something that's very important. 
And you can tell that from 30-minute conversation. That's, you know, very quickly you're going to know whether that person can is mainly positive or if, like, it does kind of come out quick, especially when you ask the right questions. Yeah. Why are you leaving your firm? That's always one to really go negative on. Because everybody who has, you know, I, I've got plenty of negative things to say, but that's not what I want to talk about. Right. Right. So once you do find, like, the top three, how do you decide on the right person? It was the it was a, the conversation. So, um, okay. I, I would say I could have probably narrowed it down to the cover letter, uh, but she is a very good writer. Yeah, but that's that 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 true that too is very very important. Is that when I get um, inquiries for for jo uh, job people looking for jobs, your writing matters. It really matters a lot. That if you can write a letter, like, mm -hmm. you know, like a letter is supposed to be written. And you have good grammar, and you and and your letter flows, and that says a lot about the rest of the person. Exactly. Uh, and so that's really important that the that the letter that you put together is not only addressed to the right person, and it's and it's talking about what you wanted to talk about, but it's well composed and it's well written, um, because you know I'm not sure that that uh, that there's a lot of uh, too many people are being taught that anymore. You know, <laughs> to, to put together well. Uh, written mm -hmm. letters and so that will make you rise to the top mm -hmm. I mean and we you know we have to do that as architects we right. I don't know if you have to write the letter but you will eventually and you have to present yourself well so um, you know obviously if your letter isn't the greatest thing in the world but then you present yourself really well that certainly can uh, you know stand above the letter but yeah, but the letter matters de the definitely letter, matters. Letter matters a lot it gets you that gets you the interview mm -hmm. definitely uh, and truthfully, the the the, uh, the the cold call and the broadcast email is a waste of time. There it is, should there be. There is no architect that is saying, "Oh, another broadcast email that's not directed to me. Let me read this." It gets deleted. So don't even waste your time. Spend that time doing research on the firms that you want to work with, and and address the person you you want to work for. Exactly. And if it works, if you do get the the job from that blast email. That is not a firm you want to work for. Right, right, right. So you hire the first person, and she's awesome. Yeah, she's awesome. And so now you have an employee, and you're rolling, and everything's great. And so, you know, when, yeah. does, when does number two show up? Well, and this is a, yeah, this is a uh, complicated slash funny story. Um, so number two showed up October 1st. You know, first one was September 1st. Second one was October 1st. But so you like a, this idea of an employee? Yeah. Said, oh, we got to do this again. Yeah, this is a this is a unique situation. So I'll just talk about the second one quickly, and then the second architect is probably more of what you're getting at. But um, my second employee was the um, admin, or basically the office manager for Calatrava. So she called me, and she we she had always helped me out, and uh, we were friends and worked together for three years. So. We always kind of knew, or I always hoped, that she would eventually come work for me, but we knew, you know, there's no way I can afford this. Well, she called me in the middle of September and said, basically, I have to go, I have to leave, I have to make a move, can we do this? And it was like, oh, man, <laughs> that's <laughs> this is big. Not, this is not yeah. the timing that I expected. Yep, but absolutely, let's do it. And this is a higher level person now. This is a higher level person. This yeah. is, yes. This is somebody um, going to help you run your business. Exactly. And um, she, I mean, again, that was the second smartest. They were equally as smart, those two moves. 
um, she's amazing. She is, she is a partner without having a partner. And she is absolutely right there. We make decisions and we, and actually as the office, we all do, but um, Tracy was the second hire. And so, um, yes, she runs the office. She takes care of me. She takes care of us. She, at the same time, likes a challenge. So for me, this was, okay, all this social media and all of this, you know, PR, like she used to do PR before she was the office manager at College Java. So it's like, she gets to get back into the creative mind and she's always worked for architects. So it's, she's just absolutely the best thing you could hope for. And there she is. It's like, yeah. okay, so let me unload as much as I possibly can uh, that she, you know, would hopefully like to do. And she loves it. Or I, she says she does, um, but she does an amazing job. So we are, you know, it's like she's advertising, she's marketing, she's business development, she's also taking care of the office. So she's everything. So you took off a bunch of hats. Yes. And you handed it, handed them to Tracy and said, "Here you go." Yes. And let me get back to being an architect. Yes, and that was the whole goal, and it really has worked. And of course, it wasn't, you know. Yes, I knew her, but it's still my firm and my business yeah. and my baby. Yeah. So the handover was very much like, okay, well, we'll do this together for a little while right. and we'll do this together. So, you know, no, I didn't just hand everything yeah. over. You're still but, leading those decisions. You just have somebody taking on those roles and responsibilities that, that someone else could do better than you. Yes. Um, and so you could focus on the things that you're good at. What's very interesting is that the way you described it, it sounded like she just landed in your lap. But in fact, she, she is an, she is an excellent, excellent uh, person to hire at that point because now you're, you're busy and you have staff that, that's helping you get the architecture done. To have somebody come in at that level who can take away the business part of what you're doing uh, will take you exponentially to the next level. Um, so, because you can now focus on architecture and make your architecture better, and she can focus on the business and make the business better, it, it's a perfect, um, perfect opportunity. And, you know, it also, I hear people saying in, in the back of my head, oh, she's Calatrava's uh, business manager, how lucky. You know, that wasn't luck, that was you taking that opportunity years ago to take that job, to meet those people, to make those connections, met her, became friends with her left there still made kept those contacts kept those contacts strong when that opportunity came you were positioned for that opportunity that didn't just happen that was something that you may have not planned but you took those opportunities along the way and those dots connected uh, and you find yourself where you are today with that it person sounds so much better when you say it mark but that's what happened yes i would i would say also for someone that that didn't all those scenarios didn't happen I wouldn't have ever thought to look for right. someone as advanced as Tracy. Yeah. So I wouldn't have thought to be able to support that or, or you know, or make that, um, not even leap, but stretch or, you know, just really dive off of that cliff, let's yeah. say. Yeah. Um, but very, very, very worth it. And just like you say, you know, we work so hard and we're working on one project and the idea is that you should be marketing and business developing to get at the next project so that it's like, you know, otherwise you just have all these hats and you can't do the architecture. So yes, right. that was a really good move. Um, it was a tough one as far as I, if I, if it hadn't fallen in my lap, I don't know that I would have done it. And I absolutely should have. Yeah. And most so, architects don't, you know, mm -hmm. most architects see 
when they get busy, they say, okay, I need another architect. You know, mm -hmm. I just, I need to get somebody to do some of this other work that we're doing so we can keep growing. But in fact, as you grow, all of these other responsibilities and these roles grow too. But now you don't have somebody to help you with that. You have to do that. And you get pulled away from the architecture to go do that. And so it's a great opportunity to find somebody at that level, um, you know, relatively early. Uh, it may not be the first person that you hire or the first advanced person you hire. Maybe it is an architect, but that's a very important person to hire very early on. If Even, yes, agreed. And even if that was part-time, um, I mean, I wouldn't change it in, in my world. Again, team and the way the three of us before the four of us happened, but the way the three of us really are creating Studio MM, I mean, we can get into that, but exponentially between uh, December and January, or January and February, we grew because of those two people. Um, so in that way, yes, full-time, yeah. absolutely. But it would, it is so smart, those things that you hate doing, those things that you are not good at doing, those things that take away all of your energy and time for the things that you do love doing, get someone in there to do that. I think that's really important. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's great. Um, so the third person, I didn't know there was a third person. <laughs> I lost track. <laughs> I haven't had time to talk to You've you. You've become this employer machine. So uh, tell me about the third person, what their role or responsibility is, and, and why you chose to, to hire the third employee in less than a year. That was mainly because the contract worker that I talked about, who was, you know, 60% time, um, he needed to go do his own thing, and we needed to, you know, be more full-time focused, more team focused. So he left, and then that left a bit of a gap. Uh, and so we were looking for someone that had, you know, we have passion, we have design, we don't have detail strength and CD strength kind of a thing. So that's what we were looking for. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, and that's uh, coming into 2016. I think we had tried to, I think we maybe put out a, a job ad in 2015, but didn't find anyone, you know, we knew it was going to be um, a unique person because of who we were, how strong we were as a team. That person had to really like coming into that, plus we're small. So, you know, someone advanced but willing to come into a small firm and willing to really, you know, know what we're about and care about that. This was, you know, going to be even harder than the first one. Right. Um, so that, it took a long time. And we're also now three people making a decision rather than just one. Right. So all three of us had to, you know, like him, interview him, be on the same page, make sure we were doing so the right thing. So that's interesting. So did you, did you have them interview him as well? We did. <laughs> yep. So he knew what he was getting into. Yeah. yeah. Three women. And actually it was in one day. Yeah. Very interesting. And, and he stuck around. <laughs> he did. <laughs> he did. And we had sort of warned him. And so he kind of knew what he was coming in for. So... Yeah, and so his responsibility is what? He's he's a, a he's an architect. Uh, he's studying, and okay. so he will be an architect. So an experienced person, just not yet licensed. That's right. Okay. So there you go. So Studio MM. That's the full description, right? There's nobody else. No, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> Anybody hiding under the desk? Absolutely no? not. Okay. No. So that's good. So, um, so, where are you planning to go in the future? Are you planning, do you have plans to grow? And, and if not, uh, what's, your, what's your next step? Shakes head furiously. <laughs> um, no, 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 no. We are, we're going to, 
we're going to work really well as a team and we're going to establish ourselves. Um, and I think we are. I think we're, you know, it's every, you add a new person and it takes a little bit of time. But I think we're um, figuring out, I don't know, I don't know how you best say that, but let's say we're on this four tandem bike and we're all, we're full speed ahead now. So what's important right now is now you have your team, you have everybody that you need for this level of where you are, and so now you're going to develop the business and get these four people who are working together in sync with one another, get your roles and responsibilities all organized and figured out, develop the systems that you need to develop in order for all those people to know what they need to do and when they need to do it, um, get that all working at, like a machine. Exactly. You then, s- yes, exactly. Then, then look to growth if that's where you want to go. Yeah, and I'm not sure. I mean, yeah. you know, I'm not against it, but um, number one, we, we've maxed out the office, so that's a even bigger step than just another person. Right. Um, so that's probably no. the next big step is probably finding new facilities. Yeah. Yep. Well, yes. Which is and a, I, which I is think a that's reason, a long way off. Yeah, and, yeah. That's, and that's a reason why you sort of hit your ceiling right now with, with the number of people that you have because you've maxed out your facility. Um, so the next step would be to have something bigger than that. Um, but sort of go full circle here. You are a person with an open mind. I'm sure that will probably happen much sooner than you expect it will. Um, you shake your head no, but, <laughs> but you also shook your head no on that first employee and, that, yep. and all those other decisions that you made. Uh, this podcast included. Yep. And look how well this has gone. Yep. Um, yep. Tremendous value to everybody who's listening. I appreciate you coming here and speaking about uh, how you've grown to where you are today, America. I appreciate you sharing your knowledge with our with uh, the Entree Architect podcast. Well, thanks, Mark, and I appreciate you pushing me to do all of these things. So, thank you. It's my pleasure. I, it's it's been a pleasure watching you grow, and to see the the decisions you make and the results that come from it. So, uh, thanks for being a part of the Entree Architect world and for sharing your knowledge. So, thank you. Well, yeah, and you've been there every step of the way and the academy. So that's been a huge help. Um, and it's it's kind of like, you know, there's a bunch of other people that are doing it too and say, yeah, you can do it. Yeah. So all of that's really helpful. Yeah, good, good. Okay, well, let's wrap it up. Thank you for being here. Thank you very much. Have a good day. You too. Complete show notes and a direct link to download this episode will be found at entrearchitect.com slash episode 131. And don't forget to download your free course at entrearchitect.com slash free course, Profit for Small Firm Architects, and get profitable right now, entrearchitect.com slash free course. My name is Mark Arlapage, and I am an entrepreneur architect, and I encourage you to build a better business so you can be a better architect. Love, learn, and share what you know. Thanks for listening, and have a great week. I've mentioned it to my family, but in terms of telling people like, oh yeah, we're doing this, I'm looking for projects. 
You got yeah. anything? I'm, I'm not there yet because it scares the out of me. Dreaming of launching your own architecture firm? Well, we'll buckle up for a wild ride with Emerging, the podcast that shares what it's really like to start an architecture firm. Where do we begin? We don't even know what type of business to formalize as. Is it an LLC? Is it an LLP? Like, how are taxes? I mean, the list is astronomical. Season one featured founders Jeffrey, Lexi, and Chris, owners of Level Studio Architecture, are your fearless guides on this unfiltered journey from napkin sketches to a thriving studio. One evening, stumbled into one last dive, we sat at the bar and pondered our postgraduate futures. Amidst the conversation, a napkin became the canvas for our aspirations, sketching plans and milestones, sealing our heartfelt commitment and shared dreams. In drawing down dreams on a napkin collectively, that (laughs) then, you know, in your head, you've rooted like, oh, I'm connected to these people, like long term. The process of starting an architecture practice brims with excitement and challenges, demanding meticulous planning, flawless execution, and unyielding resilience. I kind of hate the term because it's so overly used, but I think everybody knows imposter syndrome. And I think it's it's so real to this day. I, I, I don't know if it's with everybody, but with me, I'm always questioning like us, can we do this? Are we ready to do this? Are we prepared? Can we do it? Did we just decide a name? <laughs> we did it, guys. Oh One that God. came out of nowhere. Woo! It came out of nowhere. I liked it. I saw it. Ready to turn your aspirations into reality? Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Emerging and chart your own path to architectural success. Calling all small firm architects. It's time to tap into your full potential with Entree Architects Context and Clarity, where inspiration meets innovation. Hey, it's Mark Arlapage, founder of Entree Architect, and I'm inviting you to join my two favorite co-hosts, Jeff Eccles and Katie Kangas, as they bring together authors, experts, and thought leaders for electric conversations with entrepreneur architects around the globe. It's not just a podcast, it's a community where dreams meet action. There's a simple equation there. And what for me, what that did, just doing that basic calculation was, it allowed me to compare what I had actually saved in my retirement accounts to what I thought a possible projected annual spend might be. Artists are temperamental, so beautiful design is gonna be a priority. When the job is done, we're gonna actually need to live in the house, not live with the person who designed it. (laughs) So for me, the, the artistic skill, the architectural skill is most important. And so I would say like, that would be 60% of it, if not more. Gain insights to build a successful practice. Subscribe, engage, and let's redefine your future together. Join the Context and Clarity community, where every conversation adds to your blueprint for success.